Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Home and home. Yeah, yeah. It is a football Friday edition of Home and Home here on Radio.com Sports and the Radio.com app. How the hell is it a football Friday just five days after the Super Bowl ended I, or at least we, will explain. I'm Ross Tucker, joined for the next two hours today by Jason Mertides, filling in for Dave Briggs today. We are home and home, and we are brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. Reminder to follow us all on social media at RDC Home and Home is the show at RDC Sports is the network. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, and I should have done more research into what Jason's Twitter handle was before we started the show. Information that would have been valuable to me 45 seconds ago. Hello, Jason. What is your Twitter handle? Good morning, Ross. My Twitter handle is at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T. Jordan, can you put that on the screen? (laughs) <laughs> At Jason Mert, make sure to download the Radio.com app or listen to us. Watch live, Radio.com slash home. Remember, less than five minutes of commercial breaks per hour. Nobody else is doing this. Why would you listen or watch anyone else? Content. Content is king. Jason, that is a unique last name. I got to ask you, before we dive into the XFL stuff, because, yes, we do have more football this weekend Four standalone games, which is kind of nice. Mertidis, interesting last name. Give me the background on that bad boy. Well, it's a mess, and it wasn't easy to grow up with it. Everybody screws it up. I've been called everything from Martinez to Mertidis to Mertidis. You name it. It's uh, it's Greek in origin, but I have like I think I have like a tick of Greek in me. Not a whole heck of a lot. Um, basically, I'm a mutt, so it works. Got Not it. many people well, share it. I know that. <laughs> you know what? Hey, people remember it. You know, yep. I, I like that part of it. I always think it's a little bit. I mean, I get it when people name their kids after them. But like the whole point of a name is to distinguish you from other people. And it makes it difficult. If they're saying the same name in the house or whatever. I kind of like that I was Ross because nobody else at my school was Ross. And then friends came along. And that loser, David Schwimmer, was such a sniveling dweeb that he ruined the name. Thankfully, Ross we Geller. were able to overcome that. Yeah, you uh, were Ross Geller. No. The hapless one trying to get the hot girl. Yeah, the dinosaur nerd that goes, oh, Rachel, why don't you like me? Yeah, no. Speaking of no, Jay, we got some football. And I know we're going to talk later about the NFL depression. It's really simple, okay? We've seen these spring leagues before. We had the AAF a year ago. I've got a simple question for you, Jason Martinez. Do you want more football? Forget the XFL. Forget the name of the league or who the players are, any of that. My question is, from February until August... There is no football. Do you want football in that time frame, or are you kind of okay with a break? I want football, but I'm leery of more football, if that makes any sense. Now, the reason I want more football is because I love football season, and the minute, even before the Super Bowl, I I get that stupid app, the T-minus zero app, so I can count down the days until football returns. Now, for me, it's not just football. Football's back, fall weather's back, kids go back to school, which I love because they drive you nuts in the summer. But I want more football, 
until I get more football. And the XFL, I don't, I don't know if it's going to sink its teeth into me this time, Ross. I, I want football, but I don't know if I want that football. Because the last time they gave me that football, I didn't love it. I was kind of like, eh, this is gimmicky. It felt cheap, like a plastic, you know, cheap plastic form of football. I want like authentic pigskin that smells like it. Now, you're a former player. You come from a different perspective. I know players love the offseason because their bodies are beat to shit. And you go, okay, well, I made a lot of money this year. I can kind of chill out for a while. I can relax. So where do you come at it from? Well, I I almost feel like you can separate the NFL part of it. I will say, as a former NFL player, that that was probably the best part of the job. I mean, after that last game, you have meetings the next morning. You're out, and your time is your own until the off-season program starts, which used to be like mid to late March. Now it's mid to late April. So I go back to where I'm from in Reading, Pennsylvania. Believe it or not, I live with my parents. My mom would make me breakfast. It was awesome. I'd work out. Uh, I don't know, go out with some of my buddies that lived in the area still. Go Al see Simon my girlfriend. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Take a, uh, take a couple of cases to Al's Diamond Cabaret. I would go on the weekends to see my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife in Hoboken or New York City. It was great. It was awesome. We'd go on a vacation for a couple weeks. Didn't have didn't have shit to be. It was awesome. I'll say this, okay? Two different perspectives on spring football. One is I, I like it. And I'll tell you why I like it. Because I'd rather watch it than anything else that they'll put on. Like, what else will be on over the next few months? Now, I'm not watching it over March Madness, okay? But over a regular season college basketball or NBA game, I am likely to watch the XFL or really any spring, whatever we're calling this, winter professional football league. I'm curious to see... Landry Jones and Cardell Jones and Matt McGloin and Josh Johnson and some of these guys I know are in the league. You know, I'm curious to see the league, the rules, what they do from a broadcasting perspective. I mean, so much of what we do, the sky cam and the steady cam and stuff like that in the NFL now, we're from the first iteration of the XFL. So I'll watch it for the ingenuity and I'll also watch it because it's football. And I'd rather watch football than regular season college hoops, regular season NBA, regular season NHL, or regular season baseball. So, yeah, I'm glad they have it. I'm glad they're going to watch it. That's just from the watching perspective. As a player, Jay, that was a journeyman, five teams, seven years, the whole deal. I'm glad that these guys are all getting a second chance or at least another opportunity to play football for money and show the NFL what they can do, or maybe just get paid to play in the XFL. And they're happy with that. Yeah. I mean, I got a buddy that plays is playing in the league. He's playing for the Tampa team, Colin Thompson who went to temple and he's played in the NFL. He played in the, the American Alliance football last year. He's just trying to extend the dream. Right. But for me, I'd rather watch an NBA game that I know means something and that I know the NBA is going to be around in another year. I don't know if the XFL is going to be around in another year. So how can I invest my fandom, give up a little piece of my 100% pie of fandom to throw into an XFL team if they might not be around in a year? This league came and went last time. You're right. They did, they did add some things that the NFL took with the sky cam and, and ways of presenting the game. And I think it's good for that part because you can look at it and go, okay, they'll take risks that the NFL can't afford to take. And if the risk is worth it, then the NFL can adopt it. You know, if they were rebuilding the NFL now, with, and we'll get into some of these rules, these rules wouldn't seem outlandish if you were building the league from scratch. The problem is the NFL has been around for 100 years. So we have this notion in our head that this is the way the NFL is. And this is the way the NFL has to be. And, and when you look at sports, if you were building them now, as opposed to you were building them 100 years ago or whatever the sport is, baseball, they all need rule changes, by the way. And they need a fresh approach and fresh eyes and get rid of the stodgy old guys that worry about record books in the way it should be. But 
I, I don't know that I can give a piece of my heart and my emotion and my fandom to a team that I don't know or a league that I don't know is going to be around in a year. I'd rather watch games that I know mean something and that have a history with my childhood for me to lend my fandom to it. Now, I'm curious about the XFL, but I'm also very auspicious about the XFL on whether it'll even be around in a year's time. Yeah, so what I would argue is I'm not I'm not a fan of any team. If I had to pick a team to win, it'd be St. Louis because they got screwed by the NFL and they're the only team in the league that doesn't have an NFL team. So I guess I'm a St. Louis fan. But I don't look at it as investing fandom because you're not really going to be a fan of any of the teams, right? It's really just investing time. And what you said you know, is interesting about is it worth investing time in? Is there a point to it? Sometimes I feel like there's not that much of a point to Major League Baseball regular season games, 162, NBA regular season games, even college hoops regular season games. I think it's interesting, Jordan Cohn, one of our producers, one of the millennials, makes an interesting point. He says, is it unfair of me to already say you're not going to watch it over March Madness? Is that the reason it's doomed to fail? People aren't taking it seriously. And I would submit to you that other than the NFL and college football, March Madness is my next favorite thing. So I don't think, Jay, just because I'm saying I'm not going to watch the XFL over March Madness, that doesn't mean I'm not taking it seriously. It just means I think I'm being realistic. It's not going to become my third favorite sporting event after NFL and college football. Yeah, I mean that that's a huge leap. You're not gonna look March Madness, and you're not that's not a hot take. You're not saying, hey, March Madness is this thing that nobody really likes, but I like it more than the XFL. Or, you know, when you look at March Madness, it's one of the great months of sport on the calendar, especially a month after football. You get this incredible tournament, you get Cinderella runs. Legendary things have happened from the Leitner shot at the Spectrum back in the early nineties to all the great tournament runs that have happened. Over the years, it's tremendous theater and then the cutting down of the nets and the song and the whole thing. But to me, my issue here is with this too, Ross. I know these aren't the best football players in the world. And I have a hard time investing, first of all, money, plunking down money to to go to a game, even though I'm not going to go, but even investing my time into what is a second-rate product. It's like if I love golf, and I love the PGA Tour. I don't like to watch the tournaments that don't have the best players in it just because it's golf. Or, you know, I want to see the best players at their sport. It's why I think, like, the WNBA suffers and other women's leagues suffers because it's not as elite athletically as the NBA. And the XFL is kind of the rejects of the NFL, guys that weren't able to cut it. So how can I get that into it just because it's football? I love football but I don't know that I love it enough to fall in love with the XFL. Yeah, and and by the way, speaking of March Madness, we might get into a little bit later in the show some very interesting comments from Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, about the state of college basketball. We're definitely going to dive into the NBA trade deadline and what happened yesterday with Steve Cerruti, our brother in arms for Scallon Pals. He'll join us at 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time. The XFL has all kinds of rules that are different from the NFL that Jason and I will discuss in a few moments. We will ask Dean Blandino, the XFL's head of officiating, his thoughts on those new rules. Plus, how about the fact that in Patrick Mahomes' high school yearbook, one of his classmates says he can't wait to watch Patrick Mahomes say win the Super Bowl. Wow. We will have that classmate on today's show at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Plus, what is the one thing that is just an absolute deal breaker when it comes to a first date? We'll get into all of that stuff. We do have a poll question as well, Jason, as it relates to whether or not you will watch the XFL this weekend. If you're listening or watching live, please follow us at RDC Home and Home and vote in the poll. 
at RDC Home and Home. The options are, hell yes, probably check it out, or nope. Now, Jay, did you look at the results yet? I did. I just voted, and I'm in the majority. Okay. I feel pretty good that I'm in the majority. Yeah, so 20% say hell yes. 52% say they'll probably check it out. 27% say nope. So that's where we're at right now with already 714 votes. Some of the replies I'm getting, Jason, Dennis Ryan says he's usually good for a week or two. That's right. Watching the XFL. I realize it's not good enough. (laughs) Justin Yost says, I would rather they reincarnate playmakers than the XFL. John Worrell says, I don't plan to watch the XFL. I like football, but don't have the time or interest to get emotionally invested in another league. We grade mock draft says, who in the world would complain about a 17 NFL game schedule? And yes, to the XFL. Brian S. says, I'll be watching the XFL Battlehawks on Sunday. Hashtag caca. Is that their, like, hashtag? Caca! Caca! I, I kind of like that. See, now I kind of like, now I'm kind of interested in the Battlehawks. The category, you know, the answer is the hell yes, probably check it out, and nope. Uh, let me categorize those for you. The hell yes are Ross's army of football like you guys, your breath smells like pigskin because you've been chewing on like a football in the offseason. The probably check it out to my category. It's like, you know, the one thing is you got to invest. The NFL is an investment of time and emotion and everything that season. And you need an offseason if you're married or you have a girlfriend or you have kids to build up what I call football equity. So this is the time of year to like punch the time clock so that when football comes back next year, and, and it's Sunday or Thursday night and your wife or your girlfriend's like, I want to go out to dinner. And you're like, no, no, football's on. And she goes, well, you don't have to watch it every day. You go, well, I didn't watch it every day from February until August, but now it's back. So you have this bank of equity that you have to build up right now. Like my equity is dry, but my wife needs, I need to rebuild it. So now's the time to rebuild it. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. That's one of the things I personally like about the XFL is that I don't feel like it's an obligation for me to watch. It's uh, tune in if I feel like it. Maybe you get a workout in, watch an hour of it, tune in the next night, maybe for a little bit. I like that aspect of it. I like that I can sort of drive by watch as opposed to making it appointment viewing. It's definitely not going to be appointment viewing for me other than this weekend when I want to check it out. I mean, I want to see what it's like because, Jay, they've got so many new rules, so many different ways of broadcasting it. One of the first things they're doing is they're making a concerted effort to make the games shorter. They think that the games will be about two hours and 45 minutes, which is 25 minutes less than a standard NFL game. They've got an eighth official that's putting down the ball right away with a 25-second play clock. Let's just stop there, okay? Do you think that that is necessary? And or do you think that that is a good idea? for them to speed up the games, make the games faster, shorter? Uh, Yeah, first of all, Chip Kelly would love this league. Uh, But second of all, they have to have points of differentiation between them and the NFL. So I don't mind the idea of it, but I never watch an NFL game and feel like it's too slow. Now, it, it is slow and the games are long, but the rhythm of an NFL game is perfect because play happens, you you. You tweet about it. You get angry about it. You talk to your buddies about it. The next play, it's build up. So I never had the uh, problem with the rhythm of an NFL game. So I, I don't have a problem with that part of it. But I get why they're doing it. They want to be different. They want to have this thing feel like there's nonstop action. So that'll that'll lend to that, getting the ball back and play very quickly and, and getting plays off so the, the fan base never 
look, we live in an ADHD world, Ross, and I'm like the poster boy for it. I can't, I, I'm there with my fidget spinner watching games to pay attention to everything. And maybe the XFL will keep me focused on the game and keep me in front of the TV a little longer. But are you going to be doing like hits all over the country for XFL like you do for NFL? Or this is just enjoyment for you. I think that plays yeah, into this, your love a little bit. Yeah, no, work. I'm not. I'm not going to be doing hits all over talking about. It. Now they might ask me about it on a few hits, but I, I don't. I mean, I'm not going to tell them that I'm sitting here and and an expert on the XFL. Uh, like I said, it's more going to be sort of casual viewing for me. What do you think? Like, would you be happy if the NFL instituted the 25 second play clock and sped the game up? Like. I'm sort of like you. I don't think that they need to do that. But if they did, I'd be fine with it and probably ultimately happy with it. I mean, look, I don't the NFL can make very few mistakes that are fatal. We always think that the rule changes they're going to make are going to hurt the game. Remember the lowering of the helmet? We're like, oh, this is the end of the NFL. Everybody lowers their helmet. There's going to be a flag on every play. There are flags on almost every play already. We don't know what pass interference is. There's so many things about the NFL that we complain about that are flawed. But you know what they never complain about is the ratings because they're still through the roof. The NFL is bulletproof. And I don't know that the XFL could even wear uh, some kind of bulletproof vest to cover a appendage of their body as compared to the NFL. They have to be flawless in the XFL to grab football fans because the product day is not going to be as good because the athletes aren't as good. So the rule changes are the hook. They got to hope that those rule changes actually do hook people and they get hooked to the action of it and the presentation of it. The presentation will be another big part of this and bringing it to people. If they like that presentation, maybe they'll hang with it. But to me, it looks like another another experiment that could be doomed for failure. It felt like for years, Jason, that the NBA was getting more and more popular. Speaking of popularity and growing the sport. But it doesn't feel like that's been the case this year, which is one of the questions I have for our guy, Steve Cerruti, from Scow and Pals, which is every day, 11 to 1, here on Radio.com Sports. We had the NBA trade deadline yesterday, so there's much to discuss there. You can check him out on Twitter, at Cerruti. At one point, I saw Scal got traded yesterday, but it was a different Scal. It was Scal <laughs> like like past the Lavoisier. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, but Saruti, let's Saruti, Steve, let's get into this first, Saruti. Before we get into the trade deadline stuff, because we're talking a lot of NFL and growing the game in London and XFL stuff. What is the popularity of the NBA right now, midway through this season? I've seen some rating stuff. Some people think that that is indicative of the NBA going down. Others say it's not. Give us your take on the sort of the state of the NBA popularity this season so far. Yeah, well, first off, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. I will say that, I, you know, ratings being down this year has been a, a, something that I think the NBA is definitely worried about. But I'm not I'm not going to sit here and overreact to it. Listen, what have we done the last couple of years? We've complained and complained and complained about how it's only been the Warriors. It's been a super team league. It's not competitive. Well, this year, we have at least three teams that are capable of winning the title, all with incredibly interesting stories. You've got LeBron, who I still believe is the best player in the league, who is playing for the most storied franchise in the league in the Lakers. You've got Kawhi Leonard across town in the same building, really, who is coming off of a championship as well as the other contender. And then you have maybe the most likable superstar in the entire league in Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is playing for a team that's probably going to win 70 games and is, you know... I, the, again, I said the most likable player in the league and one of the guys that's probably going to be the future of this league. I think the ratings is an issue, but I don't know how worried I would be about it going forward. I'll tell you why, guys, because, you know, we had several games, I think 20 or so games, at least national games this year, where you had a Warriors team that was being showcased in national games without St Stephen Clay 
Who's going to watch them? They're the worst team in the league, really, record-wise. And then you had another bunch of games with the Pelicans and no Zion Williamson. And look at what happened when Zion came back. It was the second-highest-rated game in the history, regular season game in the history of ESPN broadcasting NBA games. So clearly there's an appetite for him. He's only going to get better. The Pelicans are only going to get better. So while I think right now there is some worry about it, and yes, the regular season may be a little bit diminished because, let's be honest, we're all just sort of looking forward to the playoffs this year where we do have what looks to be a very competitive both race for the East and Western Conference title. I think the future is still very bright for this team. You've also got Luka Doncic. This game is global. The two future stars in this league, Luka Doncic and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, are both European players, so you're bringing in more of a global brand. I'm not terribly worried about the interest level in the game. And I'll say this, transactionally, we just had the trade deadline yesterday. The NBA does the trade deadline better than any other sport, and they do the offseason better than any other sport. So while I do believe there are issues with the regular season, guys, I'm not worried about the overall interest level of the NBA. All right, there's a couple things I agree with, and there's one thing I disagree with, that the NBA does the offseason better than any other sport. I think football does because there's the, the rigidity of their calendar with the league year and free agency and then the draft and all that. Um, the NBA free agency seems oftentimes there's a couple of big names that change teams. Now, last year's offseason was crazy with LeBron going, Kawhi, Kevin Durant going to the Nets and everything that went down. But that being said, and the NBA is predicated and and kind of sold on its star players more than any other league. And there are a lot of guys that are hurt right now. But, Steve, what do you do when you talk about the state of the NBA? You know, you have load management. So many stars sit out games and they sit them out on the road. When, when a team like Orlando, for you, or yeah, Atlanta, you. <laughs> is, is you know, they're, they come to see LeBron James, or they came to see Tim Duncan in his day, or they come to see James Harden, or they come to see Russell Westbrook. And then they come to find out that this game that they circled on their calendar that they're going to spend their money to go see, and that star player is not playing. I mean, what, what can the NBA do about that problem? And also the regular season— is, doesn't mean that much in the NBA because you get to the playoffs and you have the haves and you have the have-nots and you know the teams that are probably going to get to the conference final. So what so, can you do to enhance that regular season? Yeah, so I, I, th- there, unfortunately, I don't know if there is a real fix for it. And this, to me, guys, is the is like the Jordanification or the Jordan effect of 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 the of the sport is that. We only care about titles, right? And we, it, it, to some extent, that is the. It's definitely not that way in baseball. It's kind of that way for quarterbacks in the NFL, but it's definitely that way for every star in the NBA. We we have basically told these guys that, hey. We don't care about your regular season stats. We don't care about how many regular season MVPs. Look at Jordan's six titles. That's the only thing that matters. If you fall short of that, you are a failure. So we have we sort of have to, uh, to blame ourselves in that for sure. And the players are listening to what we're saying. I don't know if there's a fix necessarily. I mean, the NBA has certainly talked about doing a midseason tournament. I'm a big European soccer fan. I like the midseason FA Cup in the Premier League or uh, you know the Copa Italia in Italy. Um, now, you could argue about how seriously some of the major teams take those things, and I would certainly argue that I don't know that the Lakers, the Clippers, or some of the other top, the upper echelon teams in the NBA would care about a midseason tournament when their real goal is to win the NBA championship. But I do think if you implement, if you implemented something like that, it would certainly help you know, the Miami Heats of the world, the Boston Celtics of the world, the Denver Nuggets of the world, the teams that are maybe just below the top tier contenders, maybe they can have something different to play for because with their Guys, we know they're probably not winning the title this year, and that's fine. But they can at least still have something to win in their season. So I do think that makes it interesting. The NBA has also talked about Adam Silver wants to potentially add a play-in game for the last two playoff spots in each conference. I was initially skeptical on that, I think, I, but I've come, kind of come around. I think it's a good idea. So theoretically, you would have you know, the, the team that would finish in the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. Right? The Eastern Conference is terrible this year, so it's probably not a great example. But the seventh seed would play the, uh, you know, the tenth seed in a single elimination sort of tournament and the eight seed would play the nine seed and the two teams that basically win those games would make the playoffs. So that I guess extends and makes the back end of the, of the, of the standings a little bit more interesting. It keeps more teams in it. It potentially keeps teams, uh, teams from tanking. Now I don't think I'm, I've never been a, an anti-tanking guy. It just doesn't bother me that much guys. It didn't bother me what the Sixers did. Look what they're at now. They ended up with Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons. Now you could argue about their fit, but they ended up with two star players. So I, I think there are, there are ways to fix the regular season. They're never going to eliminate the number of regular season games because of the revenue. And I, I, I understand why they would do that. Um, but I do think at, adding and making some like little mid season tweaks like that to a tournament 
could be something that my fans might be interested in. We'll, we'll remain to see whether the players and the teams are interested in it. But it is something that I think will be cool going forward that teams can at least hang their hat on and say, hey, we have something else to play for besides just June when the finals are going on. Can we keep Saruti for an extra half hour? Um, <laughs> real quick, two things. The midseason tournament, like I love the idea of that, and it's a European model. But half these players don't even play all 82 regular season games because they don't give a shit about anything but, but winning but an NBA title. But you're wrong there, though. I'll say this. I think the load management thing is actually pretty overblown. And I was someone who months ago when Kawhi Leonard's sitting out, we didn't know what his deal was. Like, I was mad. I'm sitting there going, hey, one of the biggest games of the year, Kawhi Leonard is going to sit out at home against the Milwaukee Bucks in one of the dozen games that are that, that you circle on your calendar. He's all of a sudden just going to sit out. But it actually hasn't been as bad as you think, guys. I mean, like, look at this. Giannis, who's going to win the runaway MVP again, doesn't believe in load management. Uh, granted, his minutes are down because he doesn't need to play a ton of minutes because they just blow everyone out every night. So maybe that's part of it. LeBron is playing night in and night out. Anthony Davis is playing night in and night out. James Harden's playing night in and night out. Damian Lillard, Trey Young. Uh, Luka Doncic has been hurt, but he's playing games. Like, I actually don't think that this load management thing is actually that big of an issue. It's really only... Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers and it's because we don't know what the hell's going on with Kawhi's knee or his hamstring or whatever's going on there we, we don't really have enough information on it so I actually don't think the load management thing is as big of a deal as people made it out to be at least this year alone last year it was a little bit more of a problem but I think maybe some of these guys have sort of heard the the cries and the and the, and the complaints from fans and have changed it around because really it hasn't been like a it hasn't plagued the league like I think most people think it has the thing for me Suri is this is when you talk about you didn't have a problem with tanking. Now, I live in Philadelphia. I have a young son. and say, But just say five, six years ago, my son was in eighth grade. And the Sixers tanked for four years. So he would have gone through his high school life without MB, competitive NBA in a city like Philadelphia. And not only, look, your team may suck, and that's, that happens in sports. And you can be the Cleveland Browns and just, you know, blow in perpetuity. But the Sixers were doing it on purpose. They were spitting in the integrity yes. of the game, losing on purpose, and then not playing players that they drafted for an entire year. The fact that Ben Simmons didn't play his rookie year for the entire season was a flat-out disgrace, right? So how can the league regain its integrity when so many teams are going with that mentality? Like, I'm going to suck so I can get an Embiid and a Simmons, and now, which, by the way, they end up as a sixth seed right now. They can't win on the road. They just lost four straight. They're horrible. Like, where's the upside in that? You're going to take the sport away from a, a good basketball market like Philadelphia to gain a couple of superstars. By the way, they missed more than they got with Okafor and all these yeah. other guys, and that's the NBA because mm -hmm. of the one-and-done rule. There's so much broken here. I don't even know where to start and where to continue. I, I can't like if you're going to say, hey, you know, think of the children. I don't have a I don't have a rebuttal for that. I understand like that sucks. And I'm sure growing the up, kids, in man, and you're, yeah, think of the children. But I, I don't again like you wouldn't be in this. And granted, this has been a disastrous year for them. I'm still not going to write them off because I think they have maybe the most talented starting five in the league. And I while I don't trust Embiid and Simmons, I'm never going to write them off in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they're at Milwaukee's level, but that's a whole different discussion. But they wouldn't be in this situation if it wasn't for them tanking, though, right? So it's like a chicken or the egg situation. Like, they had Drew Holiday. They were going nowhere. And Drew Holiday's a nice player, but you're not winning championships with Drew Holiday. And because of what they did, and because of them being terrible for three, four years, or five years, however, however many years it was, they are now in a position where... They're going to be contenders probably for at, for for they're going to have a window at least for a decade where they might not win titles, but they're certainly better off than they were when they were just a middle, you know, a middle of the road NBA team. Like the problem with the NBA, this is the main problem with the league. And in my my Orlando Magic are are probably the perfect test case for this situation. Being in the middle is the worst possible place you can be. You either want to be terrible or you want to be great. If you're in the middle, you get stuck there. And the Sixers five, six, seven years ago were stuck there. And they made a decision to tank, and that's one way to go about it. Another way to go about it is to do what Memphis, what the Memphis Grizzlies have done, which is you know hit on one draft pick, make a bunch of smart moves, take some bad contracts on, get assets, and then you're you know you could potentially be a playoff team overnight. There's more than one way to skin a cat. I don't think that they're like for, for example this year, there really aren't that many teams that are tanking. I mean, look at the Atlanta Hawks were one of the worst teams in the league, and they were buyers at the trade deadline. They added two starting caliber centers. I mean, you know, Cleveland's bad. I don't think they're necessarily tanking. They're just sort of in a rebuild. You can say that the Knicks are bad. I don't think they meant to tank, and I don't think they necessarily are tanking. Golden State's probably tanking, but it's again, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's a, uh, it's almost an outlier because all of their players, all their best players, are hurt. So I don't actually think it's some epidemic this year. Certainly, it's going to happen in, in years to come. But I do think what you look at is teams like the Orlando Magic or 
you know, who was it? Like, look at the Minnesota Timberwolves. They ended up getting two number one overall picks, right? And Wiggins and, and, and Carlton Towns, and it didn't work out for them. So I think there are teams that are looking at it and going, hey, while this does give us more crack, you know, more, more pieces of the pie or more, or more whatever the phrase is, like, it, it, it still isn't a perfect system. We could still fail here. So I don't think you're ever going to be able to get rid of that. And maybe adding some of those at the end, you know, the, what I was talking about, the playing games for the playoffs, which I think is a good idea, helps solve part of that problem. But again, if your son, who's a Sixers fan, like he he now is able to root for a good team because of what they did uh, with Sam Hinkie all those years ago. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We're going to get into every day here on Home and Home a different Ask Reddit question. Today's question, very simple. What would be the number one deal breaker for you in a first date? Jason, I will let you go first. I mean, if you were doing like the family feud and they said survey says, I think most people would agree with me. It's got to be bad breath. If a woman's got rocket breath, you're gone. It's like, how did you go on a first date and your breath is like a porta potty? You know what I mean? Like, that's something like you better have a breath mint for the first date. You can't come in with hot breath. If you got hot garbage breath, see you later. I don't care if you're a total dime, a rocket, whatever. Bad breath? Sorry, hon. You got to beat it. I'll take a hammer toe over a bad breath any day of the week. All right. So you, if, if she's hot, she's a rocket. But if she has rocket breath, she's out. Got it. Yeah. If you, um, yeah, if you got hot garbage breath, come on. See you later, hon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you on that. I don't. I don't notice very many women with bad breath i notice more dudes i feel like that have bad breath i've got two and interestingly enough jason these both happened i was in 10th grade it was the same girl the same night one of my first dates ever so first of all and this is a story for another day i drew i followed her home after school so I would know where she lived. And I had two girls in the car. I was going to drop them off at their house after I found out where this girl lived. We had the music cranked up, whatever. I'm driving. I see where she pulls in. And I see where her house is. And I'm waving like, okay, I got it. And meanwhile, the, 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 the turn goes like this. And I'm waving to her, and she's not waving to me because I think she wants to come out and talk, but I got to go. I got to drop these other two girls off, and I got to go to spring football practice. Well, next thing I know, bam. Nope, not a tree, not another car. A burrow truck construction vehicle that was coming the other way honking the horn as far to the side of the road as they could. Nope. I went right into it with my 1990 Jeep Cherokee, uh, which has nothing to do with the Ask Reddit question, but just a terrible story. I was late for football practice. Only time in my life I was late for football practice. So all of that is to say, I already wasn't in a great frame of mind for that date that night. Interestingly enough, my dad, I said, dad, I don't even know if I should go. He's like, oh, you're going and you're taking my car. 
Because he, A, wanted me to get back out on the road driving. He didn't want me to be like a tentative driver. You know what I mean? Like, my dad's like, no, back you got to go. You got to get back out there. Get back on the horse. So I pick her up that night. First of all, she was very attractive. Uh, I think we ended up, I don't know, we went to like friendlies for dinner. Like, that's what you do. Dude. Did you share a Sunday at the end? I, I don't know, but dude. She's like smoked. a Happy Days episode. She She smoked. Like at a the bunch. friendly, yes. This is 1995. You could do that. She was like smoking. Like I'm trying to have my awesome cookies and cream and maybe mint chocolate chip. I don't know. I don't remember back then. I might have been into cookie dough. So I'm trying to have my awesome ice cream, and she's smoking in my face. Number one. Number two, she also didn't smile once the whole night. Now, she was hot, okay? But I'm not into, like, that, like, never smiling. Like, smile, be happy, life's fun, and don't smoke, especially when I get two scoops of cookies and cream ice cream. So that is my deal breaker if you smoke. We got Dean Blandino. Love Dean Blandino for so many reasons, including, you know, you watch Dean Blandino. He's a good-looking guy. He dresses nice. Like, I don't know if Dean Blandino's single or has 20 kids, but I think Dean Blandino's been on some first dates in his life. Dean, I love the hat. Ross Tucker, Jason Mertidis, always great to talk with you. Do you have something that's a deal-breaker for you, Dean, in terms of a first date? Well, I was listening to the end of your story, and I've never been on a first date where she didn't smile. So that might have something more to do with you than her, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But for me, the first the first date deal breaker is if she she says hashtag Des caught it. For me, then it's over. Ah. Then, then can't. <laughs> or if she complains about officiating Dean. Yeah, exactly. She's like, what's what's with that blindside block rule? I'm like, I can't do this. We, we're... Do you even, so Dean, Dean, what is your deal? Are you single, married? I have no idea. I am, yeah, I'm divorced. I have two boys, so I'm I'm single, but I'm very, uh, you know, I'm, I'm good right now. I'm not ready to jump back into the dating pool at this point. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I wonder if you even, I, I wonder if you even tell people what you do for, I mean, I guess you have, if you're on a date with somebody that you, you be like, I can't tell you. Like, what are you in the mob? You gotta tell exactly. them what you do. Yeah, DEA, you know, I'm, yeah, very. Tell you, but I gotta kill you. All right, exactly. so Dean, uh, we spent a decent amount of time at the start of the show talking about the XFL. You know me, I love football. I'm excited for it. There's a bunch of new rules. I, I know that you are the head of officiating for the XFL. How much did you have a say in the creation of these rules or was this all before that and you're just there to help the guys implement them? Yeah, it was a combination. They had, before I came on board, they had done a lot of research and came up with these kind of the, we're going to innovate and reimagine the game. And and it was things that you're going to see, like the kickoff is going to look different and a three point try. And then there were some things that, that, we discussed when I came on board and for one reason or another, you said, you know what, this isn't going to work. Um, so it was a combination of things. They had a pretty good idea of the things they wanted to do. But then I had I had a lot of input when I get on board because obviously you want to you want to reimagine the game and make it more exciting. But you have to be able to officiate these things consistently. So that's where my input really, really focused on. Hey, Dean, when, a lot of times when leagues are making these kind of decisions and figuring out what they want to implement. They, they have some research to show this is what the fans want. Here's the yeah. rub. Here's the problem areas. Did you guys have research, number one? And what, was it one of those kind of think tanks when they came up with these rules of, hey, guys, no idea is a bad idea here. Let's throw everything out. Maybe we find gold. Some of these, will you tweak rules along the way? Or are these set for the entire season? Yeah, absolutely. It was kind of a think tank. They talked to a lot of fans. They looked at other rules, you know, whether it's college, NFL. And, and one of the things that, that we heard from the fans is, is the downtime. There, there is a lot of downtime during a football game. NFL game, three hours, six minutes on average. 
and you you have only roughly 16 minutes of actual football. So so how do we reduce that downtime? And that was the big thing. And that's why the league went with a 25 second play clock. So the pace is going to be quicker. And that pace of play, we feel like um, will will add plays to the game. And that's what people want. They want more plays. They don't want standing around. They don't want more commercial breaks. And uh, and so there was a lot. And it was like that. You know, no idea is a bad idea. Let's let's talk about it. Vet it. And uh, and let's come up with a way to make the game, you know, even more exciting. So we're talking with Dean Blandino. He's the head of officiating for the XFL, which kicks off tomorrow. There's a lot of different rules, Dean. You know, the kickoffs, the punts, extra points, overtime. What do you have a favorite? Do you have the one that you think, wow, this is awesome. The NFL should definitely implement this. I think, you know, right away we're going to see the kickoff. And and I really like what the league did with the kickoff. They said, okay, when the returner on average, when the returner catches the football, where where are where's the coverage team and where is the return team? And on average, they were at around the 35 and the 30. So they said, okay, at the start of the play, let's put them there. And so you'll have 10 coverage team players on the 35. You'll have return ten return team players on the 30. They can't move from their line until the ball is touched or if it hits the ground after three seconds. And then they go, and it looks more like a scrimmage play. And so it keeps the return in the game, and it reduces those, those high-impact collisions that you see with the big run-up. So, so I think that's something I'm really interested to see how it works. And I think that's something that the NFL college – We'll look at because, as we all know, the kickoff has been something they've they've looked at in the past because of a higher rate of injury, and uh, and I think this could be something that uh, you know going forward could be could be an alternative. So, how do they do onside kicks, and what happens if it's not an onside kick, and the guy just kicks it short, or it's a squib kick? I'm confused as to what happens if it's not a traditional deep kick. Yeah, so the ball has to cross the 20 in the air. So if it doesn't, it's just it's a dead, it's an illegal kick and the and the return team gets the ball all the way at the at the kicking team's 45-yard line. So you have to you have to make the 20 in the air and that that prevents the squib or something, you know, you know, trying to hit it into that group of players and then creating a scrum. If you want to go onside, you have to declare before the kick that you're going onside. So there's no surprise. And then it looks more like a traditional onside kick with the 10 yards between the two teams. And we'll give the kicking team a five-yard run-up. The, the NFL got rid of the run-up, um, but in the XFL, you'll have a five-yard run-up, but it'll be a 10-yard difference. You know, the restraining lines will be 10 yards apart. Dean, I'm sure you guys saw in, in your research, too, that one of the frustrations maybe with the NFL is the the amount of penalties waiting for the yellow flag to hit the field on any given play. It's almost like you're holding off to celebrate until you know there's no flags. Um, and then part of that is going to be educating the players, the officials, obviously, the teams on these rules. Did the league yeah. go about educating the players? Did you meet with each team individually with, with a group of officials to explain here's what's allowed, here's what's not? to limit the amount of penalties because you don't want those stoppages and waiting for penalties to happen all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly penalties are, you know, stoppages in play and we can't, we can't artificially manufacture the number of fouls in a game. But, but what we're telling our officials is we don't want to be overly technical player safety fouls. We have to enforce those, but again, we don't, don't want to be overly technical on formations. We want to, we want to warn if possible, but certainly if something creates an advantage, we have to, we have to call it. And we did, we met with all the teams. We had training camp in Houston and uh, we met with all the teams, went through video. We've been sending videos out probably since April and, and sharing different, here, here's how we're going to officiate hits on the passer, defenseless players, low blocks, things like that. So that everybody can be on the same page, you know, when we kick off on Saturday this weekend, and uh, and again, we 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 don't want to be overly technical, and uh, and we hope that that will you know will keep the foul numbers down. But again, the two teams will decide how many fouls there are in the game. All right, so Dean, uh, replay is always a big one. I, I've read where it's going to be the college model, where it's not coaches' challenges. 
it's you know someone an in booth operator at the stadium with the exception of the last five minutes where he then can act as a sky judge which allows him to help overturn things that even aren't reviewable in your mind because we every obviously we compare everything to the NFL Dean can you give us the pros and cons of college model versus coaches challenge model and then pros of cons of sky judge versus no sky judge as you see it yeah I think look the NFL model with the coaches challenge the benefit to that is it limits the number of reviews you know outside two minutes non-scoring plays non-turnovers it's on the coach. They have a limited number of challenges, and they're tied to a timeout. So so on average, in the NFL last year, about 1.6 reviews per game. The college model, you, you have more. You're at 2.1, 2.2 per game because there's no limit. It's the replay official. You're not tied to a timeout. So, so But what, what the college model, the benefit is, is that a coach may be out of a challenge. We saw that with New England this year where – where they didn't have a challenge, it was outside too, and they weren't able to fix an obvious mistake. Well, the college model doesn't have that issue because it's the replay official always. You know, the sky judge, we felt that was important, not throughout the game. We're not looking to reofficiate the game in replay, but there are situations late in the game that can have a significant impact, and it may not be reviewable. And we wanted our replay official to be able to provide input like any other member of the crew. And obviously the replay official has the ability to look at video and has additional resources. So we, we felt that was important to, to make sure that the game is decided and, and not decided by, by a, an incorrect call by the officials on the field. Dean, how are you sleeping? Because you only get one chance to make that first impression. And there's yeah. a lot of rule changes and, and this is a different product and you're coming into your opening weekend. You don't want any controversy. You want the games to and the players to dictate who wins and who loses. And it, it's it's a tough endeavor. You're it's football, but it's not the NFL. And you know you have a lot of rules in place. How uh, how stressed are you guys kind of going into this in this opening weekend? There's a lot of fanfare and uh, going to be a lot of eyeballs this weekend. Yeah, obviously it's the first, it's the uh, the opportunity to make a first impression. And I know Ross didn't make a very good impression on that date when the girl was smoking. But <laughs> we, 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 we obviously, we, we're aware of that, that people are going to tune in, even they're going to tune in this weekend just because it's new. And then they're going to come away with that impression, positive or negative. And, and we want to make sure we feel really good because of the preparation that that has gone into this and the education on the officiating side, the players, the coaches. And so while there is obviously that that concern about how it's going to go, we feel really comfortable and confident that it's going to go well. And, uh, you know, for me, it's just more specifically, I just want that first kickoff to go off without a hitch, no penalties. And uh, and then we'll go from there. All right, so Dean, two quick ones. We'll get you out of here. Really appreciate the time. Uh, one is, you know, I have a, a a sports betting podcast, Even Money podcast, that's here on the Radio.com app available. And one of my good bets for the Super Bowl was under 13 and a half penalties in the Super Bowl because there's a belief that they tell those guys to let them play when you get to the Super Bowl. Now, you just said for the XFL that you don't want them to be too technical. You want, you know, you don't want there to be a lot of stoppages formationally and stuff like that. Is it true, Dean, that for the playoffs and maybe the Super Bowl in particular, that the NFL tells the officials to let them play a little bit more? You know, in my experience, when I was in that position, I never told the officials, hey, we're going to let them play today. But I think there's there is some kind of a subconscious that goes on when you get into those games because the numbers you can't dispute the numbers. You know, you're averaging 2019, you're averaging 16 fouls a game in the regular season. In the postseason, that goes down to about 12 and a half. So, so those three and a half fouls they go somewhere, and and I think that goes into the psyche. There's a couple of things. You know, are the teams better? Yeah, they're the better teams. It's win or go home, so you're going to be less likely to commit a stupid penalty and know that that 15 yards can impact your season. 
But the thing is, you know, in that that subconscious, those officials do tend to at times not want to inject themselves into the game because of the magnitude. And I think we saw that in the Super Bowl where they did let them play a little bit. But that that has an impact because if one team is pushing the envelope and the officials are letting them play, then that team is going to gain the advantage. And so we always tell the officials we're not letting them play. We just we don't want to be overly technical. We don't want ticky tack fouls. We want the fouls to be there, but we have to make sure that we call fouls so that the game is decided fairly. All right. So last one, Dean. And we were talking earlier about first dates. This is a little awkward because I'm not the one that broke up with you or you didn't break up with me, but I am speaking for the NFL right now. What does it take to get you back? We want you back, man. We need you back. Is there anything we can do to get you back? I I appreciate that. Look, I love the NFL. I started at the NFL as a 23-year-old intern and spent, you know, the majority of my career there. Um, You know, I'm always, I I always want to help the NFL. I love what I'm doing now. I love Fox Sports. I love being able to do podcasts and other things. But look, I'm... Again, love what I'm doing, but I'm always there for the NFL. So, uh, you know, we can we can talk offline about that. <laughs> awesome. Dean, you're the man. At Dean Blandino on Twitter. He is all over Fox Sports. Every time I'm even watching a college football game, Dean pops up there. I don't know. I don't know I'm how they get big. on every- I'm very big in, like, Iowa and Nebraska. That Those are my people, my fans. <laughs> it's unbelievable. No matter what game I'm watching, it all of a sudden, Big Ten Network FS1 Fox, it's Dean. Unbelievable. You do a great job, Dean. Uh, You know how we feel about you. Thanks so much for coming on Home and Home. Thanks, guys. All right, there he is, Dean Blandino. That was fantastic. He always is. Basically, Jason, my argument would be that interview right there is why he's got to be the guy. Like, he's got to be the guy that the NFL has. You need a guy that's that good. Like, How can the XFL have a better guy than the NFL's guy? Like, how is that possible? When you consider the amount of money that's being wagered on the NFL, Ross, they got to get it right. So you got to have the best team of guys to execute the rules or else people are losing money. It it is mind-boggling that we literally see at least two guys on TV every weekend, Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino, who are better than the guy that's doing it. I got nothing wrong with Alberto Riveron. Nice guy, blah, 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 whatever. He's not as good as those guys. He's not as good at officiating. He's not as good at explaining it. He's not as good. What, like, what, something's messed up when the TV networks are willing to pay more money or whatever it takes than the NFL that's a $15 billion business. What the, what the hell are we talking about? The XFL has a better guy than the NFL does. Yeah, that should never be the case. The NFL should have the best because it's the best league of pro sports in the world. Spencer Shaw is the classmate of Patrick Mahomes, who is the man of the hour. Spencer, it's been a hot topic this week. You put in your high school yearbook that you were looking forward to watching Patrick Mahomes win the Super Bowl. Wow. I mean, how did you know? He wasn't even like that highly touted of a prospect back then. Right. And, it, you know, at that point, he hadn't even completely chosen football. He still was uh, playing uh, baseball at at that point. But... Um, towards the end of our high school career, you could just kind of tell that he was leaning towards uh, football. And he was just that kind of talent with that kind of work ethic that you just knew that whatever he put his mind to, whatever he wanted to do, whatever sport it was, uh, he was going to succeed at. He was a guy, too, that even before you put that in the yearbook, put out a tweet seven years ago that said, I bet it feels amazing to be the quarterback who says, Quote, I'm going to Disney World after winning the Super Bowl. Uh, When you see the kind of athlete he was in high school, for you to put that in the yearbook, just how special was he amongst his peers? Well, so I 
I was a basketball player in high school and college. And so I played basketball with him, not, but not football, but no matter, but I watched him play football, watched him play baseball, played basketball with him. He was just that kind of talent that no matter what he did, he was one of the best at it. And he was able to make spectacular things just look easy everywhere, whether it was on the baseball field or on the, the basketball court or whatever it was, which we've gotten to see him do at the highest level now in the NFL with some of the crazy things that he does was just normal um, in high school. He was doing it in high school. He did it in college, too, and now he's doing it in the NFL. We're talking with Spencer Shaw, Patrick Mahomes, high school classmate, high school friend. All right, Spencer. Now, just so everybody knows, you are currently a minister at the Tuttle Church of Christ in Tuttle, Oklahoma, correct? That's correct, yes. Okay, that's awesome, because that means you have to tell the truth. That means you can't <laughs> lie when I ask you this next question. Honestly, what was Patrick like in high school? Was he an awesome guy? Was he a kind of standoffish? Did he think his you-know-what didn't stink? Give us the lowdown on Patrick in high school. So honestly, he was a I he he was a great guy. You know, when uh, you look at some of the stuff that he even does now, building houses, stuff like that that he does, it's even if you talk to guys now, that's it's not a show. Um, and he was that same kind of guy in in high school. Uh, he was just a fun guy to be around, a funny guy, um, a very likable guy, not someone who really let all of his uh, ability and popularity, and you could even say fame because his dad was a professional athlete too. He didn't really let all that get to his head. He was a pretty grounded guy, uh, nice and friends with most people at school. Um, just an all around good guy. I find guys that are good at everything annoying because like I'm okay <laughs> at a bunch of things, but like I, I'm good at some, I'm okay at some things, but great at nothing. And he's one of those guys, like I watched him hit golf balls that came out of a machine in rapid fire and just bomb them down the middle. He's got a great stick on the golf course. Was he a good student? Does he have like ugly hands, uh, bad breath? Is there something wrong with this guy? Uh, honestly, um, uh, no. So I guess you could say that's the, the biggest negative about him is that there's really nothing negative about him. I mean, he was a great guy. He was a... Uh, God, a really good student. We had a, a lot of classes together, and he was a real smart guy. I mean, he took um, advanced placement classes and dual credit classes and stuff with me uh, all throughout high school. And so he wasn't just an average student either. He was uh, an above-average student. I mean, so it was pretty much anything that he did. Didn't even have to be sports he was successful at. And so, you know, kind of going back to the tr uh, prediction, that's kind of why it made sense. Hey, he's going to succeed because he did it everything else, not even sports, but school and all of that. Wow, that's really interesting, Spencer. I did not know that. I did not know he took AP classes. What would you call it, dual placement classes? Dual, dual credit, so uh, where you would get both high school and college credit for the, the class. Wow, um, that's awesome. That, that's, that's, that's new information to me that I didn't know. That's cool. I'm curious, too. It sounds like he's been with his girlfriend since 10th grade. So you must know his girlfriend, Brittany, as well. Yes, she was. I, I didn't know her uh, too well in high school. She's a year older than us. And so um, they started dating, I think, like you said, 10th grade when Patrick was a sophomore. So she would have been a, a junior. And so I do her a, a little bit, but uh, not a whole lot because uh, Pat and I were good friends in high school, but we weren't best friends. So we uh, didn't always run around in the exact same circles, um, but we did uh, hang out uh, quite a bit, especially at school. Like I said, we took a lot of classes together. We played sports together. Um, so I did know her a little bit. Yeah. All right, Spencer. Since you're the Nostradamus on the show today, you predicted he'd win a Super Bowl. Um, first of all, give me the lottery numbers, number one. Number two, <laughs> will he win multiple Super Bowls? 
I, I think he will. Um, you know, winning. Uh, I, I could have never predicted that the Super Bowl that he would win would be in his second starting season. I mean, and so he just, I think the sky's the limit now moving forward. Uh, so with especially the talent that uh, he has out there at Kansas City, uh, both on the field and coaching staff and all that, I would, I would be surprised if he didn't win another, uh, another Super Bowl, another couple Super Bowls, actually. What about Spencer, his voice? I'm curious. Did you guys make fun of his voice when you guys were in high school? Because if one of my high school buddies sounded like that, we would rip him to shreds. You, you know, I've I've had a couple people ask me that, and, and I don't remember us ever giving him a, a hard time. I, I remember when it kind of became a, a big thing in the, the news, kind of talking about his, his voice and it was just kind of weird because it was something that I never really thought about because it was just kind of that was Pat's voice because I've known him uh, since, you know, third, fourth grade or something like that. And so um, I don't ever remember that being a, a deal in in high school. Maybe some people did, but um, I think for most of us, that was just kind of the the way he talked. And then I never started thinking about it, like I said, till it kind of became news about his voice. Hey everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8:30 to 10:30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the radio.com app or on the web at radio.com/home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.